Well, my uh, brother Todd and his wife Vicky are visiting this weekend. And uh, to my surprise, when I saw them, uh, Vicky, who's my favorite sister-in-law, uh, she, she brought me a gift. Here it is. You know what this is? This is an autographed picture of my childhood hero, Ryan Sandberg. Yes, you know where I'm going to put this autographed picture of my childhood hero, Ryan Sandberg? I'm going to put it right next to my autographed baseball <laughs> of oh, Ryan Sandberg, my childhood hero. Now, uh, this is a rather obvious question, but do you, do you know why I have this signed baseball in this case? protect it because because it's valuable to me right he ryan sandberg uh walked on water in my eyes as a child i he was my my absolute favorite <laughs> todd thought he did not quite but i i have this in this case because it's it's very very precious to me and now i have an autographed picture thank you vicky that i'll place in a frame right next to it but, but what about you? Just think for a moment. You don't have to say it out loud. But do you have maybe something similar in your home? Uh, perhaps it is a piece of sports memorabilia that you have kind of in a frame or maybe in a case or maybe some kind of family heirloom. If I were to walk into your living room or if I were to walk into your office or if I were to walk in your house, would I be able to identify? Is there any one thing that you, that's particularly important to you? Or, or to put it another way, uh, what's something, oops, huh, and this is why it's in a case. <laughs> what's something that is precious to you? What's something that you highly esteem? Ruth and her husband, here in this picture, they live in southern Mexico. And you may not be aware of this, but violent persecution against Christians has been increasing exponentially in that part of the world. A Marxist guerrilla group called the EZLN has been aggressively trying to eliminate Christians in that area. Furthermore, the villages in southern Mexico have laws that allow the indigenous people to push back and even persecute anyone trying to establish a new church in their village. So that's why it's very not uncommon for Christian churches in that area, consider this, to have their electricity and water shut off, to have their children prohibited from attending school. And even think about this, it's not uncommon for Christians to have their children prohibited from receiving medical care. Now, I want you just to think about that for a moment. Imagine not being able to take your child to the doctor because you profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in addition to church planting, Ruth and her husband, they have another great zeal and passion, and that is for distributing God's Word. They want to see Bibles and the Word of God in as many hands as possible. 
In fact, several years ago, Ruth and her husband and their daughter, they packed up their truck with 500 Bibles. They had received a shipment of 1,000. They had 500 there in their house, and they put 500 on their truck, and they were going to distribute these Bibles to the nearby villages. What about 5 p.m. towards the end of the day, after a long way of Bible distribution, a truck pulled in front of them and came to a sudden stop. Then another car pulled beside them, so they couldn't get around the truck. And Ruth and her husband realized in that moment that they were in trouble. Immediately, six masked men climbed out of the vehicle with automatic rifles. They ripped open their truck door, grabbed Ruth and her husband and their daughter out, and yelled at them, saying, we, we know who you are. You are on our list. We know what you do. And today you're going to die. And the four masked men began to beat up Ruth's husband with the stocks of their rifles, leaving him bleeding from the head there on the, on the ground. Another gunman got into the truck where Ruth and her daughter were and began to drive away. Yet as they're driving away, they came across a really large speed bump, so the driver had to slow down some. And as he slowed down some, Ruth saw that as an opportunity to open the door, so she opened the door and jumped out of the, the vehicle with her daughter and started running away. However, the gunman and his companions quickly captured them, threw them back in the truck. And when they got back into the truck, to their surprise, Ruth's husband was there slumped over, and they honestly didn't know if he was dead or not but he soon regained consciousness. Well, they drove for a little bit more and the vehicle came to a stop. The gunmen pushed all three out of the truck and dragged them down to the bottom of a hill where they, where they doused Ruth, her husband, her daughter in gasoline. And with them doused in gasoline, they're, they're on their knees and there's a puddle of gasoline around them. One of the gunmen yelled at them, where did you take those boxes? Tell me, where did you take those boxes? You're always taking boxes. And Ruth replied, well, they're Bibles. It's the Word of God. Well, where have you visited? Where have you taken them? Another man shouted. And she said, well, we share the Bible in many places. This is our work. We give them away from free. And then with intense rage... One of the men shouted, well, today you're going to die. And he then put a gun to her head. And he pulled back the trick. He pulled back the stock. Now, just, just, just for a moment, what would be going through your mind in that moment? You're, you're with your family. You spent eight hours distributing Bibles, and here you are with a terrorist group, and they have a gun to your head, what would you be thinking? Well, in that moment, you know what Ruth thought? You know what went her, th what her mind is this? She thought this. Lord, don't let me die. There are more Bibles to distribute. Think about this. In that moment, facing certain death, her greatest concern, her prayer was, Lord, let me go free so I can get these Bibles to people who need them. People need your word. The next thing Ruth remembered was the sound of a trigger being pulled. 
But the gun didn't go off. It got jammed. Frustrated, the armed man then tried to light a match to set Ruth and her whole gasoline-soaked family on fire. None of the matches would light. Why won't you die? The man yelled. Seething with anger, he then said to her and her husband and daughter, we know where you live. Stop doing this or we're going or you will die. And then all the masked men left. Do you know what Ruth and her husband did after they were able to get home and tend to their wounds and heal up all their bodies? They took that other stack of 500 Bibles and went out to distribute them. And it's worth asking us to consider why would they do this? And Faith, I want to suggest to you they did it because they esteemed Jesus and his word more than themselves. You know what was most precious to Ruth and her husband and her daughter? You know what was precious? It wasn't a piece of memorabilia. It wasn't a family heirloom. Indeed, it wasn't even their own lives, but it was God's word. You see, Faith, Ruth and her family, I think, perfectly and powerfully illustrate what we've seen taught in our study of the book of Hebrews. Especially Hebrews 2.15. Remember what that was? We learned in that text that Jesus died to deliver you from what? The fear of death. Christian, Jesus died to eradicate self-protection and the love for self as the reason why you do what you do and instead replace it with a desire to live for Jesus and to honor him. Ruth's greatest concern wasn't self-protection, but Savior glorification. Lord, please don't let me die. There are more Bibles to distribute. That's the cry of a heart who gets it. That Jesus is far more worthy to live for than myself. Here is a woman who, when confronted with death, wanted to live not for herself, but so God and his word would be known. And you know what? That doesn't come easy. (laughs) Amen? So that's why we need to pray. We need to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. Indeed, we need to even ask ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, when you go into your office, or you go into your living room, or you go into your dining room, and you take a moment to look at all the things that you deem valuable and precious. And you know what? We praise God for them. Lord, thank you for Ryan Sandberg. Lord, thank you for my sister-in-law getting this for me, right? Not to diminish these good gifts, but at the end of the day, what, what is it we're esteeming the most? Ruth and many Christians like her challenge us to make Jesus our greatest treasure. May we count our lives as cheap and Jesus as supreme. Amen? As I've mentioned, every year the first two Sundays of November are set aside as the International Days of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And according to the International Human Rights Society, 
Over 80% of all religious persecution is against Christians, making Christianity the most persecuted religion in the solar system. From Nigeria to India to Algeria to Afghanistan, Christian persecution is on the rise the world over. And this is, this is so important for us to understand. Today around the world, more than 360 million Christians live in places where they face high levels of persecution. That's one in seven Christians worldwide. Uh, Open Doors Ministry reports that last year, on average, every day, at least 16 Christians were killed, 17 Christians were arrested, and 10 Christians were abducted. This is what happened on average every day last year. Furthermore, last year, more than 200,000 Christians were forced to leave their homes or to go into hiding because of their faith in Jesus. Additionally, more than 5,000 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked or destroyed. Right? Anyone who has eyes to see and anyone who has ears to hear will quickly understand and recognize that Christians are the most persecuted group of people on the planet. In Faith Community Church, this should not surprise us. And it should not surprise us because we are promised as much in the Bible. I don't know what type of life you expect to have as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the clear teaching of Scripture is that you will suffer and be persecuted for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider these words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy. He says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life. You know who that is? That's you. That's me. All of us. And I know you. What a joy it is to be your pastor. I know all of you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. What does Paul say? Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. And it's not just Paul who says this. We looked at this a couple weeks ago in 1 Peter 1. Peter writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon it to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice! But rejoice! Insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you also may rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Man, I bet that verse reads a lot different in Afghanistan. Or if that weren't enough to convince you, consider these words from Jesus Himself. In John 15, 20, Jesus said, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And faith community church, I just want to lean in here for a moment. You know what this is? This is a promise. The Bible clearly teaches that the road to the celestial city goes through a cross. Do, Christian, we worship, we follow a suffering Savior. And Christian, as you live out your faith in obedience to Jesus, you're not going to receive hugs from a world that is hostile towards Jesus in the gospel. Uh, look, 
<laughs> there was no one more Christ-like than Jesus, and the world crucified him. And what we need to understand is that it's not just belief that causes persecution. Please hear me. No, it's obedience. Christians experience persecution for, as we've been studying all year, obeying in faith. Obeying the commands of their Savior. So, Faith Community Church, it's because of this reality, this promise of suffering for Jesus, that the author of Hebrews charges us with this command. It's just one verse we're going to look at today, and that's this. In Hebrews 13.3, he says, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. As God's people, we are commanded not to forget. Not to forget those Christian brothers and sisters who are being beaten, killed, in prison, afflicted for their faith in Jesus Christ, often at the hands of wicked governments. We're called to remember them and to act in any way we can to encourage them and to help in their suffering. So that's what we're going to do this morning. This morning, I want to lead us as a church in obedience to Hebrews 13.3. That is, we're going to pray that God would strengthen our persecuted brothers and sisters in two particular areas. And the first thing that we want to, we're going to pray for is that God would strengthen them to proclaim the gospel. Um, every year, Open Doors Ministries publishes a document called the World Watch List. And through extensive analysis, this document ranks the top 50 countries where the persecution of Christians is most severe. And I'm going to throw this on the screen. I hope you can see this. But here you can see uh, a map that the areas that are red are high levels of persecution, where it's burgundy color, even darker, it's intense persecution. And there off to the, yeah, the left side are the top 10 countries that are experiencing persecution. And if you want more information, I'd encourage you to visit opendoorusa.org. You'll find a, a lot of information there. But this morning, what I want to do is share just a couple of stories of, of Christians, uh, how we can be praying for them. And as I share these stories, I think part of what it means to remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them is to actually engage your mind and put yourself in their situation. Let us take the time to put ourselves in their shoes to increase our capacity for compassion and care and most importantly, fervent prayer for our brothers and sisters around the world. And, and uh, to start, one of the things I want to invite you to consider is think of your job. Uh, think of how you've gone about choosing what vocation you're in or what line of work you're, you're determined to just for a moment, you don't have to say it out loud, but think of what were the determining factors that made you decide to choose or get on board with whatever company 
you're hired with. Uh, Pastor John, uh, there he is. They are, can't show his face for security reasons, safety reasons. Uh, He was behind the pulpit of his small church in the Middle East very recently. And as, actually, let me just go back for a second. Uh, (laughs) What color is the Middle East? Very, pretty red, pretty red. So here's a guy in a very, very, he's, he's behind the small pulpit of his church in the Middle East when suddenly 20 heavily armed Al-Qaeda fighters bust in and they start screaming jihad. And they, they come into this, this place of worship they start grabbing everyone and taking the members and throwing them off to one side of the church building. Keep in mind, the pastor, he's just like I am right now, standing behind the pulpit, processing everything in real time. And then one of the group's leaders ordered his men to aim their automatic rifles towards the congregation. And he shoved a gun into one of the members, on his member's head, and threatened to start shooting everyone in the church one by one. And again, Lord, we pray this would never happen here. Lord, please spare us. But what, what would be going through your mind in that moment? Well, the congregation was, was screaming in terror. Absolutely frightened. Yet just as John, and, and this is uh, as recorded in Voice of the Martyrs, He was interviewed, yet just as John was about to run toward his congregation from the pulpit to help out, amidst the chaos, he is as clear as it is today, this this guy, in in the most powerful way, he felt the Lord prompt him to say these words to his church. He said, God is welcoming us home. Be at peace. We're going to heaven. And you know what happened next? His unexpected response to an imminent threat of death caused, listen to this, a reverent hush to fall over the entire congregation. All the people stopped crying and readied themselves to meet their Savior. Sensing the immediate change in the atmosphere, the Islamists became unsettled at this group of Christians who no longer feared death. One of them said, this land belongs to the Muslims, an Al-Qaeda leader yelled. He and then other militants began ransacking the church, destroying property. They, They vandalized what remained in the building, and then they told the congregation that they would kill them if they returned to the church building. The next day, even more church members arrived to worship God. However, despite that scare, or rather because of that scare, the persecution remains. And soon this man, Pastor John, was arrested and thrown in prison for several years. His wife was eventually able to free him through extraordinary costs. This is what I want you to consider It wasn't just John who was experiencing hardship as the pastor. You know who else experienced a lot of persecution and hardship? Was his wife, Grace. His wife, Grace, was getting pressure at her job 
because she too professed faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, one of her supervisors, and this is why I invite you to think about your job, one of her supervisors gave her this ultimatum. She said, Grace, you can either be transferred to a Western country where you'll get a pay raise and you'll experience no persecution for your faith, or if you stay here, you're going to lose your job. So those were her options. Leave to go to a Western country, free from persecution, and get a pay raise. Or if she stayed, she would lose her job. Well, her and her husband talked about it, and she decided to stay. They decided to stay because that red area that has so many lost people needed John and his wife to continue to share the gospel. And you know what happened next? They lost practically everything. They financially came to ruins. They had to sell many of their possessions. They had to sell their heirlooms. In fact, things got so bad financially that they they had a season of great despair and discouragement. And I I just want to invite you to seriously consider what would you do in that situation? To be relieved from suffering and persecution and get a pay raise? Or suffer and lose your job? Yet they continued to trust God and share the gospel with those who repeatedly persecuted them. And Faith, I want to make this suggestion to you, that John and his wife's testimony, it challenges much of our thinking here in America when it comes to what does it mean to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? This is what I'm saying, Christian. Please hear me. Christian, do not follow the comfort carrot dangling at the end of the stick. Western thought, especially here in America, is that whatever pathway seems to provide the most ease and safety, then that's the correct path. And if you experience hardship, you've chosen the wrong path. Yet neither the Bible nor our brothers and sisters suffering for their faith recognize this type of thinking. Please hear me. They don't make choices because it's easy or hard. They make choices based on obedience to God's word. They stick it out because this is what God calls them to do. And that can be hard. And this is precisely why the author of Hebrews says, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, those who are suffering because they need our prayers. So that's what I encourage you to do now. What I want to do is for the next couple minutes is to group up into groups of three or four other people. We don't have to rearrange the chairs. You can just do it in your row or maybe go over your seat and pray with the people behind you. And please hear me. If you, if you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to pray out loud. Our goal is not to make people feel uncomfortable, but our goal is to intercede for our Christian brothers and sisters. So what I want us to do is together to to, to pray and to pray. Lord, we do pray for our brothers and sisters, Father, who are 
choosing to uh, obey you in faith and to be faithful to share Christ with people who aren't just mean but hostile and aggressive against them. And Lord, we pray that you would give them success and that as your word is goes out and as the name of Jesus and the good news of Christ is proclaimed, Lord, that you would you would do an incredible work in these dark areas that many would come to saving faith in Jesus through these these faithful saints and their commitment to share Christ with others. And Lord, I pray I pray for us here as a church. Lord, would you prompt our hearts to be more ready and obedient to share Christ? Lord, would you help us to lean into you, to look past whatever social awkwardness there might be, to invite people to come and to consider who Jesus is and to put their trust in him. Lord, we thank you that you are in the business of seeking and saving the lost and that you are expanding your kingdom. Provide comfort to our brothers and sisters uh, right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, One of the things as we, we have an opportunity to, to um, think about and to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, as I know, it, it might, these stories might sound a little jarring. But it's not for them. It is for us. But these things of, of, of what we might seem incredible or outlandish this is part of the, the rhythms of their life and the high cost of following Jesus. And it's good that we hear this and that we pray for them. The other thing that I'm going to invite us to, we have one more time of prayer here, and that's uh, to pray that they would persevere through their suffering. But for a moment, I want you to consider, uh, imagine this, this with me, and, and maybe this isn't too hard to imagine, and maybe you're imagining it with me, but imagine if God gave us a brand new church building beautiful church building. Yet only after a few months of worshiping in there, the government decided to demolish it. What do you think would be the next best move? Rebuild it? Find another location? Meet Pastor Charles. He lives in Zanzibar, Tanzania. Over 99% of the population in Tanzania is Muslim. And for the last 28 years, he has faithfully endured much suffering because of his faith in Jesus Christ. In particular, as a pastor, he has had not one, not two, but three church buildings destroyed by those who hate Christians. The most recent one grew, his church grew to nearly 100 members until one day... The local government, who opposes all Christians, decided we're going to bulldoze it, and they knocked it all down. I mean, can you imagine how demoralizing that would be? Yet he continues to keep building churches, not only spiritually, but also 
physically in a place where many have left due to the extreme persecution. After his third church was destroyed, Charles said this. Speaking to the voice of the martyrs, he said, They might destroy the building, but they cannot destroy my heart or the heart of my flock. Amen. So what I'd like us to do is take a moment to pray once more with a different emphasis, and that's to pray for the hearts of those who are suffering for their faith. In particular, let us pray that they would persevere through suffering. Let us pray that they, like Charles, they would not lose heart, but instead they would find strength in Christ to finish well. In fact, I'm going to put his quote up there once more. So let's go to the Lord once more in prayer. Lord, we, we want to uh, plead um, with you that these uh, brothers and sisters, Lord, that they'd be faithful to enter your rest. Lord, I pray that you would um, give them joy, and Father, that you would increase their capacity to know you and to experience your presence in a satisfying way, that amidst the hardships and the trials, Lord, they would find sweet um, satisfaction in their relationship with you, and that your promises would be made real and vibrant to them. And Lord, I pray for us as a church, God, that this moment would not be the only time we seek to obey Hebrews 13.3. Father, I pray that we would on a regular basis consider and to count um, the costs that our brothers and sisters are experiencing to plead with you that you would provide for them. Lord, I, I thank you for what I was reminded by one of my sons, Lord, that they prayed that he prayed that, Lord, these Christian brothers and sisters, Lord, would they interpret their circumstances rightly? Would they see that this is, this is coming from your hand to refine them, to make them fit for heaven, and that this light momentary affliction does not compare to the eternal weight of glory that is before them? And Lord, may we as well, may the things of this world grow strangely dim. Lord, help us here in this town, in this, in this time in history, Lord, help us to lighten our grip on the things, on the glitz and the glamour of this world. And Lord, may we instead cling tightly to Christ and see that he is life. Lord, may we say as the Apostle Paul that we count all things as rubbish compared to this passing worth and glory of knowing your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray in particularly for Pastor Charles. Lord, continue to give him a smile. Continue to give him joy. Lord, continue to raise up churches. Lord, may he, may he not grow weary in doing good. Lord, and we ask these all things for for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as the, the music ministry team comes up here to lead our song of response, just a couple of things I'd like to say um, that, uh, ways you can get active. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs is an excellent resource 
You can learn more about them at persecution.com. They also have a website where you can fill out an action pack. That's where you can buy clothes and other materials for those suffering for Christ. You can also you can adopt a frontline worker, someone like Ruth who distributes Bibles. You can also write to a prisoner. So I would encourage you to, to look at, uh, consider these matters and how you get more involved. But would you please now stand with me as we sing this song of response to remind us that our only hope in life is in Christ. <laughs>